and welcome to the FT Advisor podcast. Each week, we'll be joined by guests from the financial services world to discuss the most pressing industry issues. I'm Amy Austin, news editor at FT Advisor, and today I will be discussing how the advice profession can attract young advisors with Derek Bradley, Chief Executive Officer at Panacea Advisor, and Tim Morris, an IFA at Russell & Co. Uh, thank you both for joining us today. So, as we know, we are getting to the stage where soon we're going to have a raft of advisors looking to retire um, and either sell up or pass on their businesses. However, it's looking like there may not be enough young people coming into the profession at this moment in time to plug the gap. So, Tim, maybe we can start with you. Why do you think more young people aren't kind of considering a career in advice? Very good question, Amy. You know, for me, I think the big problem is the lack of routes into financial advice. And, uh, you know, for a number of years, I've been thinking that if we want it seen as a profession on the same standing as, you know, a lawyer or accountant, then surely there should be some kind of degree um, to help people, you know, into the into the career. And so, you know, yes, you can study, you know, finance, and I did lots of financial modules um, as part of my degrees, business economics, but um, it wasn't a, a direct route into financial advice, and it was through a family member, really, how, um, you know, I, I had that link um, into the profession. Um, so for me, a lot needs to be done, and, and there is work happening, and there's a lot more academies, um, you know, that are popping up and uh, yeah that, that's great but uh, it's yeah nowhere near enough at the moment so still a lot of work to be done. Sean what about you Derek what are you why do you think that young people are kind of staying away? I, um, I think one needs to sort of build a little bit on what Tim was mentioning there in terms of sort of entry routes and um, uh, clearly sort of Tim and I are a bit of a generation uh, uh, apart from one, uh, one another but sometimes uh, because of that they, they, it does enable um you know a generation that's sort of gone before to be able to see maybe where things could be better um with the benefit of hindsight and so on and i i think when i um uh, first started in this um uh, industry and uh, this is a very long time ago in the sort of um, very very early 70s um i, I was in the lloyd's um, market and um, uh, there wasn't a requirement particularly to have any degree of um, uh, qualification and as um, uh, as my sort of time in the industry went on in fact i had a bit of a sabbatical and came back to it in the uh, the early 80s i went to uh, work for um, what was then a sort of a traditional life company and i think it'd be fair to say that um, the generation that kind of retiring dying or whatever in terms of the sort of engagement with the industry the bulk of the people that have relationships in terms of distribution in in terms of how they became financial advisors and so on has really gone back to the life companies and um, uh, just so many of them were starting in you know, companies like legal in general like prudential whatever and maybe perhaps broker consultants um, they would have a lot of involvement with um, well, brokers, clients, as it was at that at that stage, and so on. And it did build up a you know a significant experience that can be used. And, and from my own point of view, after um, a period of time doing that, I I took a view that I wanted to be a financial advisor myself, and started up my own business. Now, um, I uh, obviously I did have qualifications towards the end of this. 
but the beginning I didn't. Um, and I don't know, looking back, whether that actually made me a better or worse advisor, because ultimately it's how your clients react to you. And I, I, I think it would be fair to say as well that um, I, I was looking up some numbers on uh, from the FCA register in terms of people that are new to the register and have, have been new to the register over the last, uh, well, since the beginning of the year. And the, the number is 6,558. Now, that's with less than one year's experience in the, the industry. So some of those, because of the various categories, will be advisors. Uh, but holistic financial planners, which are the sort of um, uh, the normal smaller to uh, um, IFA type firms, uh, there were uh, 1,166 of them there. So, um, you know, clearly they are, they are coming in, but uh, I, I think other ways need to be found to actually make it uh, more attractive. And I, I, I think from Tim's perspective, I, I think it's you know, anyone that's got the levels of qualification that they have today, which is significant and, and I think quite impressive for, from what I see. Um, it, may, it may well be that um, apprenticeships might be another route uh, mm. to actually going in because not everyone is necessarily equipped academically although you would assume it, it would help um, uh, but it doesn't it, it, you know it, it, it's a people business as well and I, I think dealing with, with with clients is something that no matter how many qualifications you have if you haven't got that interaction and empathy with the clients you're trying to support then it's not going to work yeah yeah definitely. I think like apprenticeships and uh, the advice profession kind of go hand in hand. I think, you know, to become an advisor, an apprenticeship is a really great route to go down, you know, like learning on the job and then doing your qualifications at the same time. I think yeah. it's a really great thing. What do you, what do you think, Tim? Yeah, absolutely agree. And Derek made some very good points. And, um, and yeah, mentioning about the live companies, I guess the next step was where I came in was through your banks. And, um, you know, you haven't got those. I mean, you mentioned Lloyds, but, um, you know, I um, had quite a few friends working for Lloyds Bank, you know, the High Street Bank. And uh, I was at HSBC and, um, you know, yeah, quite a few of the guys, you know, from I knew from back then. I still keep in touch with now. Um, but yeah, that, that route's pretty much gone. Um, but for me, the whole thing of at the qualifications is, you know, Derek's right. It, there is um, a lot to do there, as, as you know, as well, Amy, and it takes a lot of time and commitment and cost as well. And actually, a lot of advice firms, especially the smaller firms, aren't willing to, you know, take on that investment, you know, not just monetary, but also time-wise, because it's a long time to, A, get through all of your exams. You're talking, you know, probably a year to, to get, all your R papers done um, and and then or you know some people can do it a bit quicker some people a bit longer but then after that it's learning all the skills of the job and so you know those soft skills that Derek mentioned are vitally important but are lacking because you know you haven't got the people skills and, and I didn't until you then start actually doing the job you got to learn that on the job and you know that's shadowing other advisors and and learning from you know people who've done the job for years and years and I had that benefit um but not all advisors are, are willing or able to to give the time um to do that so you know I was in a fortunate position but unless you've got that support structure around you um it is very difficult so you know I've, I've seen advisors come in and leave because of the fact that they haven't got that that support structure and um yes it's a shame really to to be losing a lot of good talent 
I think the other thing talking about kind of small firms is um, when I've been speaking to people, they're a bit, you know, apprehensive to take on young trainees um, because of the likes of, you know, the the big firms out there, you know, the SJPs, the quilters, the likes of them, then coming to their firm and their, you know, their young advisor and saying, hey, look at us, this is how much we can offer you. And yeah. then then pumping shit. And I think for young advisors, this is um, for small advisors. This is like a very big worry because, you know, a lot of time and a lot of money has then been kind of, you know, invested in this person who then ups and leaves. And I'm not saying that's everyone, but, you know, it does happen. Um, we've seen it happens across all industries, unfortunately. Um, what would you kind of say to that, Derek? Do you think that advisors may just, you know, have to take the plunge and kind of invest in young trainees? Otherwise, how is this ever going to get resolved? Well, I, I've done it myself when I had an advisory business, and that is a you know quite a long time ago now. Uh, but certainly, uh, we, we had ten people in the firm. Uh, it was a fairly general uh, IFA practice, and they saying you had two people. Um, after these people had sort of got all the experience and uh, you know qualifications that they needed, just went went somewhere else. Uh, which uh, you know is, is, I think, rather sad. I think also there's, there's um, uh, I, I think for any firm that's taking on um, someone like this, a route now for, with some firms, I think, having been involved recently in sort of um, some power planner activity, uh, that you know, power planners seems to be an interesting way to come in for those that are, that are sort of more academically minded uh, okay. on there, and they can build on those people skills. But then ultimately, um, I think there can also be a bias between age and experience. And uh, I have a financial advisor, he's about probably mid 50s, I, I think it, it will be fair to say. Typical um, age. To listen to I'm sorry. That's the, the typical age, <laughs> I think, of an advisor. Yeah, it is rather, yeah. But, <laughs> for, you know, is is someone who's sort of just come out of school or just come out of university full of uh, 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 a world view of just everything is ideal. Um, it, it's, it, it's very difficult to accept advice. And that, that is, I think, uh, age versus experience. Now, I, I also think that there is a big problem in very general terms and from Tim's sort of practitioner perspective on I'm sure it's something that you you would understand for years and years and years a, a big hindrance I think to people being involved in this now profession um, uh, is the cost of the regulation to do it and uh, unfortunately the way in which regulation is set up um, it's it's always the advice it's never the product and 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 so uh, from an advisor's perspective from the minute you start putting young people in front of um, uh, clients then that's that's where the troubles can begin uh, and I, I i think although a lot of people may strongly disagree with it i think the time really has come for the industry to do a really a, an about face and as far as the advisors are concerned, um, if uh, when the sort of blame is being laid at the, the, the door of the person that gave the advice, ultimately the advice, because we are a strange professional industry, in that um, it's uh, sort of intellectual um, input 
uh, in terms of advice rather than you're building a product, uh, making a product, selling a product. There's nothing tangible in terms of the end results on this. And so I think there needs to be more emphasis on the manufacturer of the bit of kit that the, the advisor says, well, this is, I think, the thing for you. Because it's only when something fails um, that the, uh, all the issues over redress start. And uh, say so it, 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 it may well be about the advice, but ultimately it's, it ends up being about the product that somebody's unhappy with because for whatever reason, it suited them when when the advice was given, but maybe performance or something like that, or their you know their life um, aims and aspirations have changed. It's the regulation is so easy now for the the advisor to be on the receiving end of something that really isn't their fault. Yeah, definitely. And do you think kind of maybe the institutes need to do more to kind of you know promote advice as a career, you know, to the younger uh, generation? Because mm-hmm. I know. Like back when I was at school, uni, advice was never once mentioned. Like I didn't know. Mm. I mean, I was, you know, aware that there was probably someone who could help me on my finances out there. Mm. But mm. I think if I was to go to anyone, I'd be like, oh, it would be an accountant because that's what I'd always heard of and what I'd always knew. Yeah. I was never told, you know, there's this career called like financial advice and it's a really good one because, you know, it's I think, you know, it should be promoted more by, you know, the likes of the CII, CISI, you know, it's very flexible. You can have a work-life balance. You can make a good, good, like, living. And it's, you know, down to you kind of how much you want to work and make. And I think that needs to be peddled more to young people. What do you, what do you think, Tim? Yeah, yeah, very much so. So, you know, going back to my point earlier, you know, saying that, um, you know, there's no easy route into, you know, no structured route for study for getting into the profession. Um, and yeah, historically that wasn't needed, but um, the whole thing of, you know, having some kind of university course or, you know, but you made a very good point. It's, it's when you go to a careers fair, you're not going to have a stall there for financial advice, you know? So yeah, you'll have accountants next to sort of law firms and then, you know, there's a, there's a gap there in the middle where we should be. And, um, you know, I, I can't see that changing anytime soon, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, y- yeah, you're right as well. We need the professional body is behind us to promote this and yeah I do think that that is lacking um unfortunately and um you know whether that's going to change anytime soon I really don't know um but uh, it'd be great to to see it if it does and um and you know it does need to happen quickly um but at the moment there's been a lot of change at the you know with the CI and the, and the funding and with the PFS and how it's going to work and you know having a you know full-time you know chief exec we need that stability and, and structure there as well um so yeah that that will filter down but yeah there's a lot of work for i think it has to come from the, the bigger advice firms so for me i got into financial advice as i said through working as a, as a bank but as a graduate on their graduate scheme and part of what that offered me was the ability to move into uh, some kind of advice role um and it was quite structured which was good because you can start off by you know working with lower end clients or even advising well it started on protection and then you move to investments once you've got that experience and the ability to deal with clients because at the end of the day it's like any advice firm your investment clients are are, are valuable clients and there's a lot more complexity to understanding exactly how everything works so you know in a granular way it's a case of you know if we're breaking it down it's saying when you're sitting in front of that client you've got to be confident and yeah as you said you're not going to have that confidence until you've got that experience and and that you know more firms need to be offering that route whether it's through academies or 
however they can provide that support structure. Sure. I mean, we're definitely kind of seeing more academies pop up, you know, MNG Wealth have kind of they're quite new to the market with their academy. Yeah. And I'm definitely seeing more and more of them kind of, you know, come about and promote themselves a bit more. But, you know, when you speak about, you know, the likes of MNG and Quilter and that, you'll immediately go to investments. Like, you know, when I speak to people that don't really know much about buyers, they're like, oh, they're the big investment companies. I'm like, yeah, but they also do advice. And like a lot of people don't realize that. So maybe, maybe education is what's key to kind of push the profession. I don't know what you think about this, Derek. I think that uh, this might sound a slightly flippant um, uh, comment, but it's not sexy. (laughs) Not enough, anyway. (laughs) And I I think uh, when you're talking about young people coming into the the business, when I started um, my IFA practice, I was really old. I was about 33 or 34, I think it was. Now, um, I'm sure people do start... Uh, you know, business as well. That that sort of age, but the 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 it, it's one thing I think having new advisors come into the business or industry or profession. But what are their aspirations there? So do they just see themselves as a financial advisor from you know the beginning to end of their career? So are they sort of just a journeyman, or are they someone? who has uh, aims and aspirations to create something of value. Uh, and from Tim's point of view, I'd imagine, you know, that's that was a driver for you doing uh, what, what you do. And yeah. that step is really, really difficult, I think, now. It, you know, you um, uh, and some of the biggest obstacles in terms of anyone setting up a business is that, once again, regulation and the cost of it. You, you could mm-hmm. have someone um, you know, set up a business today, and then suddenly get hit with a massive, great FSCS call um, uh, or something like that. Can sort of wipe wipe them out within months because they haven't got the the, the resources behind them. Uh, and that's so I think the two. You know, there are two aspects to this: getting getting new blood into the industry, but new firms. I think are uh, it, it costs a lot of money. Um, uh, these days, and also, I I think well, sort of cast my mind back to when I started. I I, I can remember I, ha- I I had no clients at all. I did uh, I because I hadn't been an IFA. I didn't have any ways to get clients or anything like that. I just had this in my mind that this is what I wanted to do, and I, the way I went about it was from a marketing perspective and, and advertising. Um, and, and that helps me get going. But for a lot of people, I think when you've got a, a, a advisors, whether they're you know, trainees or, or whatever, they they need to be finding a way not only to get the experience to earn the money, and uh, because there, you know this is a fee based industry predominantly. If you put protection or whatever to one one side or or, or mortgages, and uh, uh, I, I think for anyone who may well be new and wanting to start their own business, to get that flow of fees from a, a, a normal be, thing would be that you might leave a firm and take that client bank with you, uh, which we've heard all sorts of um, horror stories off the back of that uh, over the years. So I think um, uh, certainly the, uh, the, the, there are other aspects I think that need to look, be looking at this to, to encourage people. 
Sure. Well, Derek, um, we'll finish up there for today. Thank you for joining us. Um, Tune in next week to hear the latest goings on in the industry.